everyone. I'm Alan Combs. And I'm Christine Porch. Welcome to Shelter in Place. Uh, Christine, who are we talking to today? We're talking to licensed master esthetician Daniela Samoris, and we're going to chat a little bit about her spa, Spa 310 and uh, in Richmond, Virginia, and about how she's preparing to reopen that spa. I think that one of the things I've missed while we've been on, you know, shelter in place season is my hairstylist. I'm very vain about my hair. It's the only thing I'm probably like super vain about. It's why the other day when I was going on the road, Sister Golden Hair came on and I thought to myself, right. I, I, I said, oh. That's my song for today. Yeah, that is. Oh, is it? All it's right, not right. only my theme song. It is my song it for today. It is actually your song yeah. for today for the Shelter and Playlist. So uh, the theme of today's episode is Cautious Reopening. Let's hunker down. This Friday, in, at least in the Commonwealth of Virginia and already, I think, in a couple of states, um, we're seeing salons, spas... Um, certain other kinds of services reopen, you know, restaurants with, with sort of uh, required cautionary measures. How are you experiencing that in terms of the church? I am experiencing it as extremely overwhelming. (laughs) In what way? Uh, So the governor gave some, some sort of direction um, that's a little puzzling in the sense of like, you're allowed to be open at, at 50% of your normal congregation. So I, my first question is like, I don't, what, what 50% do you choose? The to, 50% you like. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. The, yeah. Do you have to do it by tithing or what do you, <laughs> I don't know. Here's but, a way right, to get people it, to give money. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the pew tax is actually a thing, so we can't do that. Right. So, <laughs> but anyway, so you've got the governor saying one thing and then, and then it, also the bishop is saying, okay, our bishops actually said, okay, you, you, after a certain date, you can hold drive-in services or, you can sort of do be a test church where you can have 25 or less people in there. And, and from my perspective, so I, you've got that, and then you've got every like church leadership body that exists sort of saying, watch this webinar. You've got to watch this webinar. You've got to see how to reopen. And it is just extremely overwhelming. Um, I have a list of questions that I think we need to be able to answer before we open up, and it is extensive. Joey can attest to that. He's on our little task force at church to try to talk about this, and it is an extensive list because even if we're allowed to open, the amount of things that we have to account for in order to do that is is overwhelming and really is enough to sort of like really pump the brakes and say, we have a good live stream that's high quality. We are able to be, you know, because yes, places are beginning to be able to open, but all the guidance I still hear, I was on a call this morning with the the sort of government folks from Roanoke City, they gathered sort of different clergy leaders together, and the the real word in the street is still safer at home, right? And so if as a church we can be safer at home... That was actually home, the word in the Senate hearings today, too. Right, is safer at home. And so I want us to start like putting a roadmap out to if this happens, what do we do, and what do what does it actually take for us... Um, to do this, I mean that's you know the, the the sort of buzzword for the show today is cautious reopening, and and cautious is the right word is like if we don't have to we 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 probably need to to really think about what this looks like going forward. You know there are some churches that are just knocking down the door to open back up, and I don't I don't get it. I just I don't understand well, it. So I mean that that that's kind of where takes we are. Time even just to figure out what how you're going to reopen safely, right? So right. There, it might take several weeks to get the masks in, for example, for us that we need. So I'm already starting to think about that, yeah. right? Because I, I don't know that I want to reopen 
to the public being in our space until we're out of school, so to speak. Right. Because that's the other thing I have to consider, right? I have an office full of moms. Precisely. So if I say, oh, well, we're going to reopen on Friday and we're just going to do these kinds of socially distanced things. The fact is, is that they're still in a position, right, where they're going to have to find childcare. Right. And And I think there are some places that have, that just have different procedures in terms of cleaning, right? When you run a church, like... You know, we have we have janitorial people who we contract with, and they come in and they clean different parts of the building based on what's happening in the week. So they clean maybe the sanctuary and the fellowship on those areas once or twice a week if there are going to be people in there. If the preschool is in, they clean that every day because that's what's being used. And so if now you've got to clean in between every single worship service and you've got to wipe down every single surface and you've got to figure out how to social distance in a space that is... that is Churches are literally made for the opposite of social distancing, right? <laughs> right. Pews are, are, are sort of are not made for that. And so if we want to get to that point where we're going to be back together, we're going to have to have like a team of people from church who are going to have to think through how do we have a service and wipe everything down? I mean, I, I mean, I, you know... We're, I don't want to speak before we, a leadership has been able to talk, but just off sort of the top of my head, like I feel like it'd be more likely that sometime we would have a we would try a couple of outdoor things long before we ever end up really letting people back in the building because well, it's just the, too much. When you talk about janitorial services, this is the point my aunt was making about their schools. You know, my aunt runs the Minick Educational Centers um, for Lutheran Family Services, and just the increase in janitorial costs. Hundred percent, yeah, right. Like that is a huge hit for charitable businesses and for, you know, companies that are, you know, smaller businesses. I mean, just, just that, the cleaning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, and I mean, you know, and so of course we've saved money right now because we're not cleaning the building because it's closed, you know? Um, we have one thing in there a week when we're done with the worship service, we all wipe down the mics. We wipe down after, you know, the, all the equipment we used and we turn a light off and we leave. And that's the only thing happened in the building besides AA. And they do their own version of that. They limit it to 10 people. They, they wipe stuff down. Beyond that, I mean, and so right now we're saving, but like it, it's going to have to be a combination of those services plus volunteers who are who are dedicated to doing the right kind of thing. And I just, you know, and in the midst of all that, we have a great live stream. We have a great ability to stay safer at home. So why push it is sort of the question I always ask is what's the benefit to that? So that's kind of that's kind of where we are. And I've probably talked a lot about it, but I, I, I've already been on two webinars about it. I've got another one tomorrow. I've got a task force meeting on Thursday. It's all I'm thinking about. Right. And it's all I've been thinking about. And so it's a lot to say. I mean, you, you, you mentioned a little bit about reopening the office. What are the other things that look like reopening a, a law office look like for well, you I right mean, now? Like I said, I don't know that I am going to reopen until school's out just because not open to the public, right? We are technically open. Right. So, yeah, you can come so in So I really need to. need to clarify, right? Like, so we are open. We're all working remotely. We're still right. managing an enormous amount of work. Um, but the idea of reopening to the public, having the public in our workspace, apart from just the employees, is probably not going to happen until the middle of June. Right, because any given day, you could have 100 people come to the office, right? Yeah, right. I mean, like, it depends. If it's all three, four attorneys are seeing clients, sure, right? Plus, people are bringing in documents. So we we just have a very tactile practice, right? We're constantly... Sure. <laughs> plus, I'm a hugger. Um, but the, you know, <laughs> but the, I do miss hugging. But the, the fact is, is that that is what is so interesting about this conversation today with Daniela Samoris is... Is she's not only dealing with this as a as the owner of Spa 310, she's dealing with this as a restaurant owner, which I think adds another layer of complexity to the levels of preparation and cautious sort of um, cautiously 
COVID protected procedures that right. you put into place. And, and I think the difference, part of another big difference, as you sort of just hinted at, is like the church, like we've been able to keep working, right? Like we're working remotely, but we can do our live stream. The staff are doing videos. We do Zoom Bible study. You can't do facials whatever. over live stream. Right. No facials over live stream. You can't. Um, right. And, you know, and the same thing is true for your office. It's like, you know, my wife works with you. And so, we're at a dining room table and porch laws at my house working yeah. and first UMC's at my house working. I mean, we're, we're doing those things. Whereas for something like Daniela, like, like they have got to open back up, even though it's going to be, you know, and we're going to talk more about that and in an incredibly reduced capacity, they have got to open back up. Whereas we can sort of, we can sort of stage it out and say like, you know, we can sort of work through this. I mean, if they, if they can be open, they have to be open and they have to figure out what that looks like. And, and, and the guidance for that. For them, just came out last week. I mean, imagine trying to figure that out. So I think that'll I think be it was helpful. Just a few days. Like she, I think she just said it was like yesterday. Yeah. So it's it's not, you you know, sh- they're sort of in hyperspeed probably about it. I'm worried about it, and I don't know that we'll, you know, we don't have services this month probably. Can't imagine what it's like for her. So um, I do think that's that that sort of ups the ante for the conversation with her. Yeah, and, and I think that's why it's it's it is such an interesting conversation. I think that um, it's a it's an educational conversation. So we will be right back after this commercial break. SipTequila.com is a curated collection of high end tequilas that can be shipped directly to your door, from crystal clear blanco tequilas to older tequilas aged for six years in red wine barrels. SipTequila.com has something for everyone, novices and aficionados alike. Their white glove delivery service gets the bottles to you safely and securely with their very cute lids wherever you are in the United States. When your bottle arrives, follow along with their tasting notes and education for the full agave experience. Shop, ship, and sip with SipTequila.com. Mention that you heard this on our podcast with code SHELTER, S-H-E-L-T-E-R, and you'll get free shipping. SipTequila.com. Welcome back to Shelter in Place. Our guest today is Daniela Samoras. She's an, the owner of Spa 310 in Richmond, Virginia, which is a premier spa. Um, she's a master, licensed master esthetician with focus in medical aesthetics. And we wanted to invite her here for a lot of reasons. But one was because she did serve on the uh, Virginia Board of Barbers and Cosmetology. And it was, as everybody knows, that's one of these, one of the fields that has been highly impacted by COVID um, with the shutdowns and it's, and it's um, the salons and, and spas are set to reopen at the end of this week. So Daniela, uh, we always like to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you're sheltering and who you're sheltering with. Well, as you mentioned, my name is Daniela Tamoris. I live in Richmond, Virginia, uh, and my business is located in the West Hampton neighborhood of Richmond uh, on Patterson Avenue. I also own two restaurants um, and they are on the north side of town. So we're restaurateurs um, and estheticians. So you've been, you've been hit with a double whammy with COVID. Exactly. Well, I want to touch on that later. So tell me where you're sheltering and who you're sheltering with during this time that we've been shut down. So we are sheltering in place at our home. We live in the uh, Monument Floral Gardens neighborhood, kind of the Libby Monument Avenue neighborhood. We're pretty fortunate. We, are, we live in a neighborhood where the kids are able to ride their bikes and play outside. So it's definitely a lot easier to shelter in place here as opposed to a walk-up apartment in Manhattan where a 700 square foot walk apartment in Manhattan. So it hasn't been horrible, but, um, we're, we're, we're all feeling it still. So how many kids do you have? How old are they? 
I have a 28-year-old daughter and I have an 8-year-old daughter. Very good. So <laughs> we um, have talked a little bit with a number of people. We've talked with restaurateurs. We've spoken with a number of folks. But everybody kind of has an experience of COVID that's a little bit different, meaning when it started to impact your industry. Can you share a little bit about that with us? When When you started to kind of begin to have to think about COVID and how you were going to maintain a business um, when things were, were threatening to shut down. Absolutely. So being in the restaurant business, we started to notice the reservations were early March um, were being, were canceling. Um, and we had decided probably the um, second week in March that we would close the doors of the restaurant. Um, we started to hear that really started to focus on the hype of um, the COVID situation, which made me reevaluate what we were going to do as for the spa. Um, so I went in to work on the 18th and I told my manager that we would be closing at the end of business day on March 21st. Um, it was the responsible thing to do. The governor had not mandated closure for all the businesses yet, but we felt like it was the responsible uh, behavior right. at the time. How many clients do you service a day um, through the spa? So I have four stylists, a nail technician, three estheticians, and two nurse injectors. So we can, so I personally could see eight people a day, um, sometimes more if I was squeezing it in. Um, so it's not uncommon for us to see anywhere from 50 to 75 clients, depending on if we were all hands on deck that day. And what was going on is we were going from a packed schedule to two clients a day two clients a day eventually went to one client a day. And then finally it was like, you know, we, we had to listen to what the public was saying and they were saying, we don't feel safe. Right. And so, so y'all have been, I guess, was this about maybe two, two months now or, or ish that you've been closed up and now you've got, um, the governor sort of hinting that, that as long as things keep going the way they're going, things will begin to open up on Friday. So, I mean, I am, and I think Christine told you, I've, I'm pastor. I pastor a church, and so I am being inundated with like information <laughs> about reopening and what reopening looks like. And and I can tell you, I don't really think my church is going to actually have people in it for another month or so. But I, I'm sure for y'all, you know, in order to to, to sort of get back into it, you got to do it as soon as possible. So what are the, you know, are there resources for you, or what are the things that you've had to do to begin to sort of even conceptualize? what reopening your your spa looks like sure and, that, and that's a great question um and a very frustrating question because up until last week the state had issued no guidance on what it was going to look like and i'm a policy person um, being on the state board i mean i drafted the apprenticeship program for aesthetics you were actually Virginia. the chair you were the chair of that board right daniela i was yeah at the time and um so it's important for me, not only for my reputation, but for the safety and well-being of my staff and my clients to do what was right. And there has been no guidance up until um, last week. So what we were doing was kind of basing it on what other states um, that were opening up ahead of us were doing. And 
you know, what were some of the practices they were putting into place and, and um, processes and policy. And to prepare for it, we did simple things like we spaced the stations out six feet apart. I didn't, we have a photography room, so we actually moved one of the stations into the photography rooms for additional security or comfort level for the clients. Um, the nail station, we've decided only one person could get a manicure at a time. And we procured sneeze guards for the manicure station and for the front desk. When this is over, Daniela, I'm just going to come spend all day there. Please, because <laughs> I'm broke. <laughs> I really am, because I have to go to Richmond like almost every month, but those meetings are all canceled, you know, the ones that, that I have with your cousin, you know, so... I really think I should get to go to Richmond. It and seems have like a, a, this seems like a, a beginning, like a better and better idea. Because uh, since our family, my family is, is near Richmond. Richmond, and Morgan's family, my wife Morgan, her family lives in Chester. Uh, we should. This should be a thing. Yeah. Because uh, this, uh, by the way, this is a world I know about zero about. Right. More. <laughs> more my wife Morgan cuts my hair. Right. So like I have long hair, and, and she cuts it. To like say he doesn't go to the spa. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So like every six months, she just gives me like a little. Trim. I haven't paid for a haircut since I was in tenth grade. I, on so the other I, hand, I, this is, I'm learning a lot of things from this. Yeah, this is like my whole... like my 28 year old daughter. She <laughs> yeah. um, you know, oddly, let's, I wanted to back up for a minute and just kind of give you a little history about Spa 310. But sure. I started Spa 310 January of 09, so right at the peak of the recession. Wow. And I remember being a little nervous, but I was thinking, women want their hair done. Women will take money out of the grocery bill for their Botox. They'll go without food before they go without their Botox. And I was like, this is really a recession-proof business. And it was. I mean, we we were successful. We, um, we took off. I mean, we, we grew exponentially. But this is a little different. Sure. Um, this is not recession proof. This is well. This it's recession proof, but it's not COVID proof. So I'm. Mm, that's I a good distinction. What's, what's going to happen? I don't know if the um, if the clientele will feel comfortable coming in. I mean, we definitely have um, made provisions and we have informed the clients. I mean, they're overly informed at this point because I've made my manager send out a numerous email, but um, and the staff is is very informed as well, but. This is a different uh, dynamic altogether that we've never been faced with. And I do believe we'll, we'll be successful and we'll survive, but it's we're not going to be seeing 10 people a piece a day. We're going to be seeing five people, and they're going to be spaced out two hours apart. So it's it's going to be very different for us. I think, yeah, I think part of the – it seems like to me, like looking at it from the outside, part of the challenge is, is that – in society, there's sort of this narrative being created by the media where it's sort of like people who want to get their hair done and stuff are sort of presented as sort of like insensitive, right? So they're sort of say like, you know, you want to, you know, you want to get your hair done and you don't care about anybody else. When I actually think the real story is probably, yes, people want to sort of get back to their routine, but also like, at least in these situations, like from my understanding, like with like people who do hair and these other kinds of things is that these people are in relationship with you and they also want you to, to get business, right? And you, you want to open up for business. They want to give you business because they have a relationship with you. And so, I, you know, the dichotomy that sort of exists out there doesn't seem real to me. My it hair seems, person is my friend. Well, well, right. And so I feel like that there's really more of a relationship. 
Right. Yeah. 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 It's like a family thing. I mean, do you, you think that's fair? Like, I just think that like the, the sort of us versus them that's been creative of it is not really realistic to what you're ac- you're actually doing. Right. Is that, is that fair? I think that the, the, the analogy that you're, or that false dichotomy that you're pointing out yeah. there, Alan, is valid because it's not just about making money. I mean, the, the people have an and intensely personal relationship. It's, and it's not about getting your hair done no, and, only, and those, right? You know, whether you're talking about aesthetic services, right. Or whether you're talking about, you know, hair or what have you, that is a really intimate sure. engagement, interpersonal, very intimate engagement because they're messing with you. You know what I mean? And the only thing I'm vain about is my hair. You know, I can go out with that makeup any day of the week, but. Well, it's interesting because we live in such a impersonal culture and forget COVID even before COVID-19 happened, you know, we don't, we don't see people regular. We don't touch people. We, you know, when was the last time? The only time you get touched by somebody that's not your spouse or your child or a close friend is when you go get a facial or you get your hair done or you get a manicure. I mean, it's a very impersonal society we live in. So our industry is where people come for that interpersonal connection with somebody else. And, you know, we're therapists. We're not, we're not necessarily cosmetologists or estheticians or nurse injectors. I mean, we are listening about we are listening to you about your children or about your spouse mm-hmm. or your mother-in-law or whatever. I mean, it's right. we're, the, we're, we're the therapists in a lot of cases. And on the flip side, we crave that too. We're, we choose these professions for a reason. We crave that um, interconnection with people as well. So, And a lot of some of the staff, they're, they know that they're coming back um, with part-time at a part-time capacity, a full day, but part-time books. And they don't care. They want to come back to work. They're ready. They're ready to get out of their sweatpants and put on, you know, put on pants and put on their makeup and do their hair and and, and be out in the public. Well, let me ask you about that because you you not only have the the salon, but you have, uh, not the salon, but the spa, but you have the restaurants. How have you, how have you, how has your staff where, weathered the COVID storm? So, um, a lot, we haven't had a lot of contact with, um, with the staff. I've, I've hosted a couple of zoom meetings. I did not make it mandatory, but I wanted them to feel connect state to feel like we were trying to stay connected with them. Um, I've sent out some e-blast and, um, the restaurants are pretty much closed. Dot, we own Dots back in in the north side, and we're doing a limited curbside menu. Um, and we've got our manager running the orders to the curb, so none of the wait staff is in there. And then Demi's Mediterranean Kitchen is our other restaurant, and what they're doing is they're cooking, um, they're doing like a themed night out of the restaurant, but we're doing it through dots. So we we have an open Demi's. The restaurants are across the street from each other, so it's very manageable. Um, we we haven't seen our staff. The rest yeah, we have not seen the staff. That's hard, right? I mean, it's I I occasionally get to see certain staff when they're here at the office, but we have twenty three folks, and um, I hate I hate not seeing everybody. You know, it's another relationship we're missing out on. Well, it's. Our restaurants are small. I mean, I have um, 
have like nine servers at Demi's, uh, and then I've got like five people in the kitchen and two bartenders. So we're a family. I spend more time with my business family than I do with my actual family. The joke with this whole COVID thing is I haven't seen my eight-year-old in three years, so it's nice. <laughs> it's nice to be home with her. Um, you, know, you know, Joey and I noticed that this morning because we have three teenagers, right? And I said, I haven't even seen the kids this morning. It was like 1130. And he's like, don't feel bad. I haven't seen them either. Right. <laughs> so um, it's, you know, it's, you have, I, I called them my dream team. I mean, I, I work with these people every day and we've worked together for three years and very little turnover in my operation. So um, the thought of losing them or them not coming back, um, right. it's, it's sad and, and it could happen. And, it, you know, we, and we have to prepare ourselves for that. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty moving forward with the restaurants. So you, we were talking about industries, um, your industry adapting and, and the, the guidance from the state. And you said that there had been some guidance from the, the, uh, the DPOR, the, um, I can't remember what that stands for now. Department of Public and Professional Occupational Regulation. Thank you, Daniela. Um, So tell me a little bit more about what the industry recommendations are, you know, from the state. So for the cosmetology piece, um, the stations have to be spaced out six feet apart. Um, You cannot, uh, the client and the practitioner both need to be wearing face masks. Um, Nobody can wait in the waiting area. Um, you have to stay in your car, and we will call you on your cell phone, to let, and, and your service provider will meet you at the door. Um, we've had to stagger appointments so only one person is checking out at a time. Um, and no, no double booking. So in other words, in the past, you get somebody to come in for a hair color. While that person's color is processing, you could cut another client's hair in between. You can't do that. You can only have access to one client at a time. So that's just a small piece of the hair side of it. Are you able to get the protective gear you need? I mean, I know there's been like a huge issue with backlogs on some of the protective gear. So the PPE that we've procured, um, I've been able to get a couple of cases of gloves. and I, there's a company, a local company in Richmond near the airport called Kenmore Envelopes. I bought a case of face shields from them. Um, and then everybody, the staff has been, they've all been told to procure their own face masks. They have to bring their own face masks from home. Of course, I'll have a, a box on stat, on on hand, but they are $3 a piece for a disposable face mask. So a box of 50 um, is about, I can get a box of 50 on Amazon right now for $100. Up before this happened, I was getting a box of 50 from McKesson for $8. That is insane. That, see, that, that, that is like gouging. 100%. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and I don't think it's gouging. I think what's happening is they can't where they're procuring their inventory from. And a lot of the inventory was coming out of China. So I don't know what they're able to get from overseas. Um, but I think it's forced people to kind of look internally to try to procure items from 
from home, you know, support support the U.S. a little more. Um, so yes, we've we'll, we've encouraged clients. The clients know that coming in, they'll have to be um, wearing face masks, and um, of course, we'll sanitize in between treatments. So if you look at our DPOR regulations, we're we're required to do it anyway. Um, so we've already been doing that all along. Uh, we'll, we're just kind of overdoing it for for the public's benefit. Um, and then the aesthetic piece of it is the biggest disappointing factor because all I can do is eyebrow waxing. I can't do a chemical peel. I can't do a facial. I can't do microneedling. And, and the procedures that we work with, it's not we're not doing relaxing European spa facials. Um, we're doing medical procedures. We're working with scalpels. We do a procedure called dermaplaning and. It's a number 10 surgical steel, essentially a scalpel, and we're scraping away the um, stratum corneum, which is your top dead layer of tissue. It's it's a painless and non-invasive treatment, but it's very popular um, among women, <laughs> and, um, and it's a great anti-aging treatment, but we can't do that. So having a master's in aesthetics, all I am allowed to do at this point is body waxing and eyebrow wax yeah that is a downer because if those are the things that you really enjoy and that you know per, you know provide it's the meat of our business right so, right so we've gone from a 125 dollar uh, procedure to an 18 dollar procedure yeah that's got to be and, a hit and it does it, it, it it's effect it will affect everything but i'm hopeful that this is where our ppp comes into play um so we'll tell me, tell me a little bit about that. We, did you guys have any, have any trouble getting your PPP, your payroll protection? I just got mine today. Um, we, and I had to go to a small, a, I'm a BB&T, um, devotee. Yeah. And we have that for years, but we got caught up in the bureaucracy of the big bank. Um, but we still haven't procured any of the funds for the two restaurants. Mm. Um, and I was told that I probably should go to a smaller bank. And last week I did that. And within 36 hours, I had the funds. Right. Um, but we're still waiting on the restaurants. Yeah, so, that's, that's surprising though, right? That the bigger banks are not managing it as well as the smaller banks. Yeah, that seems to be what I'm hearing from people too. Is that Yeah, there was like two predominant banks in Roanoke that were really efficient about it. And both of them were smaller banks. Yeah, and I think that because of the... Um, liability factor in other words if a, a person defaults on the loan or anything is processed incorrectly the bank has to eat the loan so they're doing their due diligence they're saying let's say 250,000 applications come through compared to a smaller bank that's seeing maybe 250 applications come through so they're really having to do their due diligence to protect themselves but we're the ones that um, do you have any sense, Daniela, of how long you expect to sort of be, you know, having the, the, the hit to your business in terms of what kinds of procedures you can do or not do? Like, have you, do you guys have any sense of that? Like, is it just going to be when the mask restrictions lifted? So I was thinking, um, I was really caught off guard by the, um, masking restrictions for aesthetics. I thought that if I had a face shield on and a mask, I could do a treatment. Um, so I'm still, I'm pro 
I just came to terms with that last night, as a matter of fact. So I'm still processing all of that. But um, I think as long as I know definitely phase one, they're talking about a couple of weeks. So we know that that really means um, six weeks. Right. So we know that. I mean, that's what my gut, my instinct tells me. Um, I'm assuming that we won't go back to normal this year. Right. And I don't know what that looks like for me as a business owner uh, moving forward. My business has been cut in. I went, I, I'm at a 98% loss right now. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, some industries are only experiencing like a 40% loss or, a, you know, but to have it be in the 80s and 90s is crazy. 98% loss. So, and that's just with the, is that just with the spa or is that on the restaurant side too? Oh, the restaurants, uh, uh, Demi's is a hundred percent lost. I mean, we're not even opening. We don't have a patio. Um, we're, we're not doing the to-go meals through there. And, and our other restaurant um, is, it's paying the bills and it's paying the staff that's there. So, um, but I, I don't anticipate things to go back to normal this year. Yeah, I don't think that generally the public appreciates that scale of loss, right? That, that the risk you take on as a small business owner is in part, you know, to support the employees that you've, you've chosen to hire, but it is entirely your risk. It's not a risk that's distributed widely, right? Like, I mean, it it is certainly being felt by your employees, but it's really being borne by you as the business owner. Exactly. And we... Um had just moved into this location a year ago so I'm, we have build out loans we're paying back we have um, a rent that has actually ballooned up in um, February so I have $600 additional on top of what I was paying in rent um, so all of these expenses are we've got lease we've got equipment that we lease lasers and a big Cool sculpting machines, you know, big pieces of equipment, devices that all have payments, and everybody still wants their money. You know, and and it's it's the right thing to do. You have to pay them. Um, it's your business, but so you can do laser procedures just not on the face, correct? We can do laser hair removal. I can do uh, vein ablation. I can do pigmented lesions, but nothing around, nothing that would require removing a face mask. Cool and you could do the sculpt, yeah, the cool sculpting. Yeah, Botox, um, can't do facial fillers. Um, do, do you feel like the the making the people where, you know, if you have a face shield and you have a mask and, and then making the other person wear the mask, which makes it not possible for you to do the face stuff, I mean, do you feel like that that's a result of, of the government sort of just making like a blanket approach to everybody and sort of fundamentally misunderstanding what it would take for you to do that? Or, I mean, where, where, do, you, where, do, you, where do you see that? I reached out to one of the business owners that was on the task force and I told him my share with him my concern about being limited to the scope of practice. Um, and I was confused that there was a no board member present on the task force and there was no esthetician or no spa owners that I'm aware of. Now that's not to say it's not, but that I'm aware of. There was a woman who owns an aesthetic school. 
And what he's told me was none of their guidance that they issued the governor's office, none of their language was put into any of this. They completely negated everything that was discussed. And he, as a matter of fact, said, I didn't even, I never even saw any of that language that they issued. So whether the governor's office did it to appease his constituents, <laughs> I do not know, but um, it's very um, disappointing. And the other thing is, why do people want to reopen at this point? If my staff could make more money sitting home on unemployment. Right. Yeah. But that's where your PPP comes into place. I will pay them their average salary from last year for the next eight weeks. But that's eight weeks. So if the phase one doesn't lift in eight weeks, they go to a paycheck that is just based on their what, hours. Their, their commission. Right. Yeah, So because most of your employees are commission-based, right? Everybody except for my ancillary staff, which is uh, hourly. Yeah, which also is, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, you, you're going to have to be back up to normal levels before they're going to be, you know, after that, the PPP period's up. You know, you're going to have to be back at normal level, levels for them to be able to be at normal revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yikes, Daniela. So we always like to ask you where you're finding shelter right now. That could be, you know, ideological. It can be spiritual. It can be completely literal. <laughs> it could be I'm finding shelter in my refrigerator. Well, um, but, but where are you finding uh, shelter right now? Being married to a chef, I'm definitely finding shelter in <laughs> Um, also, a little bit of tequila every night. I'm finding some shelter in. <laughs> well, funny enough, our sponsor is Sip Tequila. So we'll have to send you some of that, Daniela, so you can yeah, try it. Yeah, I like it. Um, but honestly, just, again, the silver lining in all of this for me has been I've been able to be home with my 8-year-old. And that's been the biggest gift because when you work an 18-hour day, that's not an exaggeration. Right. Right. I have, I've had a nanny raise my child for the past three years. So that's been, that's been my, um, my saving grace. Hanging out with my eight-year-old, but she's funny. Yeah, eight's great age. It she's is. really funny. I um, also have an eight-year-old daughter. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a, it's a neat age. And she showed me TikTok, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we are so super grateful um, for you sharing some time with us today. We always like to, to ask a couple of things. One is what's a nonprofit that we can highlight that is near and dear to your heart that maybe we can draw some attention to and get some folks, get some donations headed that way. St. Basil's Academy in upstate New York. It's an orphanage for Greek Orthodox youth. Pretty special. It's the only one that I know of in the United States. And so they um, rely heavily upon private funding. So do you have a website for that? Have yes, you yes. The website for that? I've got it right here. It's, it's uh, stbasil.goarch.org if you want to support uh, St. Basil Academy. 
Uh, the w- other thing um, that we always ask is we have on Spotify our Shelter in Playlist. So it's a it's a curated list of music that people can listen to during this time while they're quarantined. And so each week when we gather with our guests, uh, we ask them to share a song and we share our own picks for the week. So do you have a pick for our Shelter in Playlist? That was a no-brainer for me. That definitely my shout-out goes to Bill Withers' Lovely Day. Oh, that is a good one. So I had oh, to do a. Yeah, you probably do need to. You might need to be playing it for a few more months, Danielle. It sounds yeah. like. So I picked, I had to, Sister Golden Hair, which is like <laughs> my theme song, Daniela. So it wasn't just that it had hair in it, but it's also about, you know, not being with people and missing them and being a poor correspondent, which I've also been this whole COVID season. <laughs> but it, that is one of my feel good songs. So I, I did try to go on theme today. So the, <laughs> uh, the, the song that I chose today, uh, and I realize all we've talked about is more than hair cutting, by the way. I, I have learned I know, a lot but... today. But anyways, the song I chose is Cut Your Hair by Pavement, um, and which is a pretty great song. It's a, it's, I mean, it was sort of a swipe at hair, hair bands, but also that is also a, a refrain for my father uh, when I started growing my hair out was that I regularly was asked to cut my hair and refuse. So anyways, I... That I identify with that song. So, uh, Pavement Cut Your Hair is my pick for this week. Well, Daniela, I can't wait to come visit your salon, and hopefully, you will be able to do all those other things that will make me, you know, gorgeous, more gorgeous. All <laughs> right, enhance yeah, what's already there. You don't have far to go with you. Oh, uh, you that sweet. perfect. That, that's a win right there. Yeah. I don't that's know right. what you're talking about. I don't see any. Oh, girl, lots that's of them. We got the, we, that's why we put the lighting behind her. Yeah, you can't, she's sort of got is. an aura. I have a, I have a, otherwise, I have a silver aura around my face. <laughs> Daniela, you've been a delight. Um, is there anything else that we didn't ask you that you want to add or anything that, that you feel like we should have asked that was maybe outside of our sort of knowledge of your industry? First and foremost, if you have a fever, stay home. Use common sense. Um, but when you're going... My business, personally, when you come to the front door, you're going to see literature posted with everything that we put into place to make it safe for you as the consumer to come into our building. Um, our staff has been educated. We follow the CDC guidelines. We're also following the Virginia Health Department guidelines, as well as all guidance that's been issued by the Commonwealth. Um, so. Don't be afraid. It's good to be cautious, um, but support your local businesses. Um, and, su- and I imagine support local businesses that are being prudent about how they're reopening. Absolutely. Daniela, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Shelter in Place is an original podcast of Soul Group Media. It's produced by Joey Porch of Liquor Sickle Productions. The theme song was written and performed by Joey and Zella Porch. If you'd like to find more about the podcast or Soul Group Media, you can visit our website at soulgroupmedia.com. That's S-O-U-L-G-R-O-U-P-M-E-D-I-A, or find us on social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast.
Hi, everyone. I'm Alan Combs. And I'm Christine Porch. Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about seeking shelter in places that are familiar and places that aren't. Today, our theme is cautious reopening. We'll be talking to master licensed esthetician. (laughs) That's got to stay in. I just love the fact of how much you just butchered that. (laughs) Licensed. Licensed master. master Poor Daniela. Esthetician. Esthetician. Okay, esthetician. Esthetician.